Thank you, guys. <clears throat> How we doing? Good. Good? Good. Good. Good, our ushers. They're ready to go today. Uh, we're going to do this. I'm going to go ahead and have our ushers go ahead and uh, bring you guys. We have cards to give you, pens for you to use. Uh, and also, if you need a Bible, uh, we'd like for you to go ahead and be able to get one now. Um, and uh, if you don't own one, you can keep that one. Uh, but if you just need one to follow along with what we're doing today, we'd love for you to be able to have uh, a copy there uh, and be able to have that. But we want everybody to get one of these cards and one of these pens if you can, um, as long as you know how to write. So, um, and uh, yeah, I, I know that. I, I know that just knocked several of you out, out of the game for the day, but uh, uh, in fact, if you will, if you get that card, once you get your card and your pen, um, uh, we'll, uh, well, here, I'll, we'll wait on that because some of you don't have it yet. Um, so last week, we did not meet because of the weather, and uh, man, I, I really wanted to meet because I, I wanted to teach what I'm teaching today, uh, but I'll be honest with you, God, God works in mysterious ways, um, and, and you may have not even, this may have not even crossed the radar for you personally, uh, but as, as I was teaching uh, what little I was teaching last weekend from my living room on Facebook Live, uh, before I did that, I just really prayed that God would use that, and it wouldn't just be something that we did. And as, and as I was praying about that ahead of time, God began laying people on my heart, and specifically people that are friends of mine who, who do not know the Lord, and people that are, are not believers, and, and, and a couple very specific people uh, that I prayed for. And, uh, and, and so for whatever this is worth, and it's been seen, you know, I, last time I saw it was like almost 4,000 views, that was a day or two ago, uh, which is amazing, uh, all these people watched that little video. Now, granted, they had to deal with me being in it, but uh, the, the important part of that, uh, and, and one of the things that I was trying to be very um, intentional about was trying to explain the gospel uh, in, a, in hopefully a, an understandable way so that if people that were not believers were to watch it, that they would hear the gospel, uh, that they would hear who Christ is and what he's done and all those things base contest we're having today. Uh, see you in the parking lot with your 15s afterwards. Sorry, I can't help myself. I'll shut up. Um, but uh, so, uh, you know, I was doing that. And, and as I was teaching that, I mean, I, even, even just in that moment, a little short thing, talking about Jesus, talking about this, you know, thing. And what we're talking about today, kind of leading up to that, and this calling that he has on our lives and, and for us to not bow out on, on running the race, so to speak, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I, I, I was amazed, probably within an hour, maybe not even that long, maybe 30 minutes, the first person to comment on that video when I shared it to my page was one of those people that I talked about who, and I, he wouldn't mind me saying this, he's, he, he's a self-proclaimed atheist, and he, and he commented on there, and he just said, great MLK message, which was fine with me. And he's an old-school wrestling guy, too, so he also threw in, and a woo, which, because I wooed on the video, if you didn't watch it, uh, and, uh, which I didn't do until the very end. And, and the whole time, I'm thinking to myself, man, I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad he liked it. I, I'm glad, I, the fact that he wooed back, told me he watched it till the end, uh, I'm glad that he heard the gospel. Uh, and, and I'm just praying for him. I mean, I, I really, I, I, don't, I don't hardly know this guy. Like, we talk, you know, here and there, back and forth, side business stuff and whatever, and, and uh, because of all that. But uh, at the end of the day, I just, I just feel like God just keeps putting him on my heart. And, uh, man, I just, I'd love to see him come to know the Lord. And, and I've got several people in my life right now that I'm praying for today. And, and you may have some of those people, too. In fact, this card is meant for you to be able to use in such a way uh, that hopefully maybe it's useful to you. I don't, I don't, didn't do it, didn't have Debbie do these just for the uh, sake of you know just having a something or whatever. But I, I want this to be something useful because here's here's what happens to us. I think so often as believers, we we go, we go to church, we worship, we hear a message, we walk away going, oh that was great, you know that was great, you know now let's go, you know eat some chips and salsa and then. You know, and then what? You know, and then we don't really think about a lot of what we're, you know, being led to do beyond that. 
There, there's no, there's no follow-through for a lot of us as believers a lot of times. And I think it's just because we're, we're not taking any steps in our life to make sure that we take action to do things. And so this is nothing more than hopefully something that maybe you can use personally. It's between you and the Lord uh, that, uh, that you could use that maybe God uh, can help you with to be a constant reminder of maybe some things he's leading you to do today. So if you, if you look through the questions there, it's like, uh, what is God leading me to do? What is God calling me to do? What's the difference in that? You figure it out. Um, what are some things that I need to let go of to follow Jesus? Who I'm going to tell so they can ask me if I'm pursuing Jesus and his mission. That, that's, that section right there is like, who are the people that you're going to share with what is on this card? What is God leading you to do? What is God calling you to do? And maybe even the what God is leading me to do is who is God leading me to? Who is God leading me to? And I think that's actually what it was supposed to be originally. And then, and then the, the last one there, uh, and, and, and the, reason that we're, the reason that you would want to share that is because you need, we need people in our lives, we need community with other people that are pushing us to Jesus. And the truth is, is if we're left to our own devices, we'll forget. We'll forget. We need people that will come back and ask us later, hey, how's that going? How's that going talking to that friend of yours? Who's, you know, or how's that going with that family member? How's that work situation going? Are you, are you, are, you know, what, what's God leading you in on that? How's that happening? You know, and, and so on and so forth. And then the last one there, scriptures God is using to lead me. And that's just, you know, if there's a scripture that you know, speaks to you and you think, you know, I need to come back and look at that scripture again later, you can put them there. I mean, it's not a foolproof deal. It's just a piece of paper, okay? Uh, but anyway, uh, first thing, since you got the card and you got the pen, I want you to go ahead and put your name on it. That's, that's right there, very first thing. You can date it if you want. It's the 21st. But go ahead and put your name on it. It just shows me that you still know how to write. Um, and uh, because I know that you do everything with a keyboard now. And, uh, but, uh, and then also, the other thing that it does is if you leave it here, then it's going to give me an opportunity to share it on Facebook, everybody who left their cards at church. And we'll be able to, we'll be able to go, up. Oh, here's, here's Kathy's card. So, you know. But no, seriously, you know, it, 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 as, as I'm teaching today, if God speaks to you in any such way about anything on that, you can fill in the blanks however you want to. It's between you and the Lord. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to trying to give us something uh, to think about, and we'll come we'll come full circle, and we'll come back to that uh, toward the end of the service today too. So, all right. So, if you got your Bible, let's go to uh, let's go to Second Corinthians today. Second Corinthians, and uh, I'm going to try to burn through several different passages quickly so that we can try to get through a bunch of stuff that I'm really wanting to share with us this morning, and. Um, you know, the last couple weeks, even what I did on Facebook last week, but even the week before, is leading up to uh, what I'm talking about today. And, and you kind of have to have that. And so uh, let me, <coughs> I'll make mention of it, but obviously I don't have time to re-preach the whole thing or something. But we have to have an understanding of that to be able to build on that to talk about what we're talking about today. So one of the assumptions that I'm making, and if you haven't, that you weren't here a couple weeks ago or whatever, then you can go back and listen to the podcast later. But the main point, one of the main points of that message was this understanding that we've got to pursue God. If we want to be led by God, we've got to pursue God. And the truth is that so many of us have gotten out of pursuing God. So many of us have gotten out of serving God. We serve ourselves. We serve our wallets. We serve... We serve, you know, what we want to serve to get what we want to get in life. And we're missing serving others, which is this thing that Jesus spends his whole ministry going, hey, this is what I've called you to. And it's for my glory that you would do so. And it's for all these other things that I have a mission for you that is my mission, my perfect mission. And so a couple weeks ago, we talked about how the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And it's because the workers are out working doing something else. I think for the most part, for so many of us, we get caught up in all of the things of this world. And those things have become our God. Those things have become the things 
that we worship. And so I, I just, you know, I spent last couple, you know, last two weeks ago, I spent hopefully uh, the majority of that time just really just trying to encourage us that we've got to pursue Jesus. And the truth is, one of the pieces I think of us doing that is being in community with other people uh, in doing so. Uh, so, you know, whatever that means in your life, that may be hopefully a micro church and, you know, hopefully micro groups down the road and that kind of thing. Uh, but, uh, you know, we'd, we'd love, love to help you with those kind, kinds of things. We can, we'd be glad to do that. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And it says this in verse 7. It says, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. Now, jars of clay were considered terrible. I mean, you would throw them away. I mean, they would be thrown away, you know, not, not anything that you would be keeping around, so to speak, or whatever. So, you know, thinking of us, you know, being jars of clay and that kind of thing, you know, very immortal, you know, kind of an understanding here, or mortal understanding. It says this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He's the one. Not us. We don't have it figured out. You know, kind of what Nathan was saying earlier, that if we can kind of like come to God and, and be reminded how much we need Him, and, and that we're sinners, that we're, we don't have it together, we don't have it figured out, and, and usually the minute when we think we've got it figured out is, is the minute that we, that we don't and, and that we've, we've talked ourselves into believing a lie. It says, uh, to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We lean on him for his power. And it goes on in verse 8. It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. So that little passage right there is this reminder that this life includes suffering. We will have suffering in this life. Now, here is, herein lies, I think, part of the reason why so much of the church in 2018 is full of people who come to be fed and not feed others. I think that we have become a culture of that for a couple of reasons. And we'll, we'll get in further this biblically why I think we see that. Uh, but I think in general, that's, that's, that's the, that's the Western, westernization of our faith. That is the, we live in America and we get things the way we want it. Don't like, don't like the way the kitchen looks? Tear it out and redo it. Don't like the way the yard looks? Tear it out and redo it. Don't like the car you're driving? Trade it in and get another one. You know, we, we live, we, we don't realize just how blessed we are. We live in a culture where we make our own little worlds. That's what we do. And, and so we start approaching our faith that way without even realizing that we're doing it. Like, like this is why we see, like, the ma I'm seeing masses of people who, like, would faithfully have been at, at a church gathering once a week, uh, say, five or six years ago, are lucky to be there once a month these days. This is, and, and this is not just, this is not just here. This is like, I mean, I talk to every pastor I talk to. They say the same thing. They say, Chris, we are struggling to get people to just come and gather to worship together, to be there for one another, to commit to being in community together, uh, even just, even just showing up, just showing up. Like it is so hard. And it's because the world, the world is, is pining for our time. And our attention and is trying to get us to believe we don't need it. That we don't, but we know we know better. We know better that we need it. We know that we need to gather together. We know those things. And so what but what happens along the way? Here's what happens along the way. The affliction. What's it say? Verse 8. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. We go through affliction, and, and things happen. And, and a moment comes in life, and it comes in all kinds of forms. Sometimes it's not even something bad, but it's something that overtakes our life in some way, shape, or form that causes us to step back from our faith. I, I would say... 
I don't know, I would be interested to talk to missionaries and see what it's like overseas. I don't think it's probably quite as bad in, in many of the other places, but I know across the states, every pastor that I talk to, it is an issue of seeing so many believers, people that, people that are hardcore like Jesus lovers, like want to, want to be used by God, are falling away and back from their faith into spiritual retirement. Spiritual retirement. And they're, they're getting there because life has gotten crazy because something has happened. Maybe, maybe an affliction, maybe something that's been hard, a hard moment in life, a transition in life, whatever it is. But whatever it is, it's keeping us. It's keeping us from pursuing Jesus. That's my concern. That's my concern. I don't, I don't care what the church attendance is. The only reason I would ever care what the church attendance might be at 24 Church is it tells me, are people coming to pursue God or are they not? Are we doing a good job of helping people to pursue God or not? Like, what, what, where, how, you know, and, and so how do you gauge that? Well, sometimes you gauge that by numbers. I don't know. You know, hopefully we're, we're better at gauging it through discipleship and one-on-one and spending time together and, and digging deeper. Struck down but not destroyed. You see, God keeps us. He keeps us through those moments. I mean, I talked to a lady after the first service day. She told me that she'd been wanting to die. She said, Chris, I've been through some awful things in the last uh, few years of my life. Chris, I've wanted to die. And she's an older lady. And she said, but you know what? Today, it made sense. All of a sudden, it made sense. She said, you know, you're talking about, you know, driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. She said, God wouldn't allow me to die. And she's like, and, and, and all of a sudden, she said, it was, it's like the card jumped out that you gave us. She's like, my caretaker is not a believer. But you know what? We, we're, I think for so many of us, because we're taking spiritual retirement and stepping away from our faith because we've put in our time or whatever it is we think we did or we had a bad church experience or things have just been crazy since starting the business or having a kid or whatever it is, and all of these things, we get to this spot and all of a sudden we're like, well, you know... And, and, and our, our caretakers, the people that God's putting in our life to be caretakers and part of our life that we're called to be missionaries to, we don't even know if they're believers or not. It's not even on our radar. Are we even thinking about, like, are those people, those people that God put in my life that I'm called to be a missionary to, do they love Jesus? Has he changed their life? Because I'll be honest with you, if we care about those people, that is the most important thing that we could ever know about them. Not are they good at doing something, not can we get something out of them, not do they keep their yard neat. Do they know Jesus? Do they love him? Has he changed their life? Like that's the most important thing that we could know about those people that God has put in our lives. We are called to be missionaries to them. Next week we're going to have uh, another type of missionary uh, hanging with us and actually speaking next weekend. Don't miss what's going on next weekend. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, we've been praying for years now, literally years, along with some other churches and with some other pastors about eventually trying to start a new church in Sango. And uh, that's, that's going to happen. That's about to happen. And uh, the, the guy that's going to be the pastor there, the lead pastor there, he's going to be here just sharing about what's going on. In the midst of that, just so you know, we want to support that. Uh, we don't we don't work like you know people that are you know in competition with each other. The only the only churches I would ever consider ourselves in competition with would be ones that are teaching a false gospel, and I, I don't mind I don't mind throwing that out there. But uh, as far as like other gospel you know believing churches, we want to we want to help them want to help them get going. We want to see them succeed. We want people to come to know the Lord. This is what the kingdom is about, not about what our kingdom is about, what his kingdom is about. And so in the midst of even hearing him next week, you may find yourself like, you may find yourself like God speaking to your heart going, oh, I'm supposed to be a part of that. And then you're going to go, oh, well, I, I can't do that. I'm, I'm, I'm faithful to 24. I, you know, what will they think? We will say, if God's leading you to do it, you go. 
you know? So don't, don't be afraid of that. So just be open. Uh, and if nothing else, we're going to be praying for them and trying to support them in some different ways. So he goes on in verse 10. It says this, Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Verse 11, For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, so that death is at work in us, but life in you. What, a, what an awesome passage. This is, this is the picture of like the work of Jesus alive in our lives for the world. That the world, that the world would be calling us uh, to all these things that it has, but yet he's calling us to himself. And then as we go into the world as missionaries, that people see Jesus in us, that they see the work, that they see the life and the death. And, you, and you, maybe, maybe you're here today, maybe you, don't know, maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you never trusted in Jesus. Let me tell you just a little bit about that real fast, okay? So first of all, God sent his son Jesus, the perfect, who lived the perfect life, to be the perfect sacrifice to give his life. Our sin, our sin deserves death. Like we understand that from scripture, we know that, and it, and it causes death and destruction in our lives. I mean, that's what sin does. Every time we, we choose sin, or we know, you know God doesn't want us to do that, we choose it anyway, we're, it's just a little piece of destruction just going on, just boom. And all these little booms, and eventually, you know, they, they make up and, and, and do terrible things in our lives. So, the penalty for sin is death. And Jesus took on death for us. He took on the cross for us. That when he died, if we believe in him, that the blood that he would shed would be enough and the only thing that we could find forgiveness in. So God offers us grace. Okay, So we kind of have this understanding of grace and, and that, that word grace being something that, that we don't deserve, but it's something that's offered to us. And in turn, we're called also to give it to others. We're called to give grace to other people. And he says, so, so when he's talking about, when Paul's talking about to the church in Corinth about all of this in, in the death of Jesus' sake so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our mortal flesh so death is at work in us but life in you. This is the picture of the amazing thing which God did for us in sending his son to die for us in order that we might have life. You see, in his death, we have life. This is, it's amazing. It's an amazing thing when you really think about it. And, and, and not just life in the afterlife, not just life when we die, like we're promised that, which is pretty awesome, but like he gives us a new life right now and puts us on mission for his glory that other people might know him. Verse 16, if we skip down, it says this. It says, so we do not lose heart. Now I think that's, that's a statement for us today that we would not lose heart. Because I think that's where a lot of people are, and a lot of people are not knowing, like, how, Chris, I don't even know. Like, I don't even know how to recover from what we've been through. Like, we lost heart, and heart seems like it's in another land. Like, I don't even know how we're ever going to get that back. We're going to talk about that in just a minute. It says this, so we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, talking about our bodies, going to die, and all that kind of stuff. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this, and this is a great verse for us, folks. It's a great verse if you're going through anything in your life right now. This verse, tattooable. I'm just saying it, okay? It says this, this, for this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Whoa. Like, in the middle of the storms of life, we have a hard time believing that that's a light momentary affliction and that God might want to use those moments for anything other than he must just be liking to see me just suffer. I mean, he just must like seeing me suffer. It must be it. No, no. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. And it goes on, it says in verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient. In other words, they don't last. But the things that are unseen are eternal. 
That's a, that's a mind shift for us. That's a kingdom-minded understanding of who God is and what He's doing in our lives and who we're called to be. I mean, that's completely different than what's on our radar most days because most days we're just thinking about right now. We're already right now thinking about things that we got to do tomorrow. Like we're, like we're, we're like we're jonesing about it. Like we're thinking, oh man, I, I need, I got to send an email. Maybe I should send that email right now. You know what I mean? Like we're just, you know. And God's saying, it's the eternal things that matter. Where's the investment being put? Paul talked a lot and used a lot of language about fighting and running boxing, all these things. And, and you know, I, I think for so many Christians today, they've forgotten about that. They've forgotten. They, they've bought in. they bought into what I call the shell collection, okay? And so uh, years ago, when I was blessed to get to be there in person, uh, I heard a message from a pastor by the name of John Piper. And he got up and he's talking. He's, he's reading from a Reader's Digest, and he says, he's reading this story about this couple, and he says, and here they are, and they're traveling the world, and they've got their RV, and they love to collect shells. And their goal in life is that. And that's what they've aspired to. They worked all their lives so that one day they could travel the world and collect shells. And he says immediately after that, with huge amounts of gusto, that's a tragedy. And this world is spending millions of dollars to get us to buy into it. We've gotten into, especially in this culture, we have gotten into our heads that this life is all about. I will work hard right now so that one day I will be lazy. You're like, well, Chris, I think, I think, I think we could be deserved. I, I get that. I'm not saying retirement is a bad thing. But retirement spiritually is a terrible thing. And if we apply that to our walk with Jesus and our pursuit of who he is and what he is calling us to do in this world, then we have completely lost focus of the meaning of our lives. That's a big statement completely lost focus of the meaning of our lives. That's a huge statement for us today. We can't retire. We've got to fight till the end. And that's, that's, that's where Paul wants to take us, and we'll see that here in just a minute. This light momentary affliction is a thing, and it will pass, and it is for the eternal. And we've got to start seeing the eternal and quit looking at the now. And I mean, I know that's hard for us. I really do. I know it's, it's hard for me. It's hard for me to not look at the now. I'm constantly thinking, you know, what's going to, something happened to me or whatever, you know, how, what's, you know, what's going to be for my family and all these things. I mean, we think that way. Nothing wrong with thinking about those things. But the truth is, is that we've got to be more concerned about the eternal than we are the now. We don't get but one chance to do this. We're not promised tomorrow. And I'm not here to be Debbie Downer. Debbie hates it when I say Debbie Downer, by the way. <laughs> I'm not here to be Debbie Downer. But the, it's the truth. I mean, what, what's, what's, this, what's this for? What's today for? What's this week for? What's 2018 for? If it's not for God's glory, if it's not for those people that he's put in our lives to know him, what's it for? Collect more stuff? Shell collections? God, I hope not. I have collected like everything I think I know to collect. Come to my house and I will show you. That's the people that know, that are laughing. That's the people that know. Come to my, and, and they don't really even know. Like I could, take, I could take them upstairs and start pulling boxes out, you know, of stuff that I, you know, I mean, you know, and you know, the one thing that I've learned, and I, you know, I'm nothing wrong with collecting stuff. The one thing that I've learned about collecting things, you, you collect, 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 collect. You finally get to a point where you're like, what's it for? 
what's it for? Like, at the, at the end of the collection, there's no gratification. Like, you, you enjoyed maybe doing it, enjoyed, you know, acquiring it. And that's, again, it's okay. But, you know, it's that pursuit that God put in us that we would be out there sharing Jesus with these people that He's put in our lives that we are called to be the missionaries to. Who are the people that God is leading you to? And as God is maybe placing people on your heart, you can put them on the card if you want, if you dare. John 16, 33 says this. It says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. I'll say that again. I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And then he goes on and says, in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And it is amazing to me, like we could see that and we could, we could just completely just wash over that, that verse right there and completely miss how amazingly huge the promise of God is that we have peace in Christ and that the world will give us tribulation and yet we will go for the world this week like no telling how many times. I mean like over and over again we'll be like, man, I can't wait for X, Y, and Z. And then we get done with it, and it's like, well, that's just more problems. But Jesus gives us peace, and he says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So in the midst of the affliction, we have this reminder that the world doesn't own God and Jesus this world bows down to the feet of Jesus. 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians 9 says this in verse 19. It says, For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. This is Paul teaching church at Corinth. And he's, he's, you know, it's a letter, but he's, you know, they're reading it probably out loud to the church, which is pretty awesome to think about, and we're doing that 2,000 years later. Um, but you've got this, this beautiful picture of him humbling himself, and he's not trying to, like, you know, boast about what he's doing, but he's trying to help us see an example of what he's been led to do in that we are called to serve others. And he says, he's going he's gonna to go through, like, here's, here's, been my, here's, here's been my approach at trying to serve others. Here you, go, here you go. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. Now, for us today, if we're just being real honest with ourselves, we're like, I'm just trying to get people to serve me. <laughs> I mean, like, if we're just real honest, like, a lot of us are probably in a boat. We're like, I'm just trying to get people to take care of me. I just want people to serve me. I want me, my way, that's what I'm after. Well, this is, this is opposite of that. And by the way, as God has lead, led people to your heart uh, to put on that card or whatever that maybe God is calling you to as a missionary, this is the key to get them the gospel. It is to serve them. And he's giving us that right here. And it says this in verse 20, To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law became as one under the law, though not myself being under the law. Talking about uh, the Old Testament, the Torah. That I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ. That I might win those outside the law. So he's like, He's basically saying, I'm, I'm doing what I can to even try to get the gospel to these people who believe differently than I do religiously. And instead of going at them with a, hey man, you're wrong. He's listening. He's serving so that he can share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus. goes on in verse 22, he says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. This is the opposite of what this world teaches us to do. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. No, for us in this world, it is, if I meet somebody weak, I'm going to show them how strong I am. I got all my junk together. Look at me. I'm strong. You're weak. Poor pitiful you. Let me help you now. Right? 
I mean, that's, I mean, and even the church has acted this way at times over, over history. And, and, and our call, he's saying, to the weak, I became weak that I might win the weak. He's saying, I humble myself to just try to meet them where they are. And not just meet them where they are, but serve them. Serve them. I'll say it again. Serve them. This is the piece that we are missing, people. This is the action piece that so many believers are not following through with, and therefore they are not a part of the mission of God in the process of what he's called us to do. Jesus spends his whole ministry saying, serve them. His whole ministry is based around, serve them that they would know me. Serve them that they would know me. He goes on. He says, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I have become all things to all people that I might save. By all means, I might save some. He, he, he knows he won't save them all. He knows that. But he's like, you know what? Hopefully it is heard by some. Hopefully some get it. Hopefully some believe and he goes on, verse 23, and this is such a powerful verse. And it says, it says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you hear his heart in that? That I may share in it with them its blessings. He's saying, I love them, and I want them to know what I know about Jesus. Who's God calling you to be a missionary to? What's he calling you to do? What's he leading you to do? What people group? Your people group may be your neighborhood. Your people group may be the knuckleheads that you work with. And maybe, and maybe in that instance, you're like, Chris, you don't even want to go there. Like, I work with crazy people. Or maybe it's your family that are crazy. I don't know. And you go, Chris, I can't, I can't even begin to deal. Let me just, let me just let's, let's, let's back up and let's all be reminded of, of one gospel truth for us today. And that God has given us his grace that we would give it to others. Did we deserve it? Heck no. We didn't deserve his grace. Our sin deserves death. And yet he sent his son. And then, we, and, then, and then we draw lines in the sand. We're like, oh, no, that person, they're crazy. They did, did me wrong. I can't, I can't forgive them. I can't show them grace. Well, not if you don't want them to see Jesus in you. Because I'll tell you, that is the number one way in this world that those people in our lives that we have been called to to be missionaries to will see Jesus is when we show them grace. Those people who don't deserve it. That is the definition of grace, right? Let's be reminded of that as God puts these people in front of us and you're like, no, Chris, you don't understand. This person, they should know better. Yeah, and we should too most days, right? But we're all still sinners, failing and leaning into our understanding that we desperately need Jesus all the time, every day, as much as the day that we came to know him. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. I love Paul's heart in that. I love to see and to hear from him in the middle of that that he is saying, I want us together to get to share in what Christ has done for me. That they too might know his forgiveness, that they might be changed. Verse 24, it says, Do you not know... I love the way Paul says this. Do you not know? Like, like, are you stupid, right? Do I know some people don't say that in front of their kids. I'm sorry. It's too late. That's why we got kids' church. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. And here's where... I think we've, we've stalled. So many of us in our faith, we've stalled out. 
And, 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 and maybe, maybe again, maybe it was the bad church experience. Maybe it was, uh, maybe it's the, uh, I got burned out once upon a time serving or, you know, whatever it is. You know, pick your flavor. I don't really care. You know, it's an excuse. And you can, hopefully the Lord will let you see that because I don't need to be the one to talk you into believing it. But he's saying, do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. We aren't called to take a break from the mission of God. We're called to work through it. We're called to, we're called to press through it and to lean into him. Now, let me, let me make real clear. I want to go back to what I said at the very beginning of this message. It would be real easy to walk away from a message like this and say, you know what, I'm going to try harder. No, 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 no. Pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. He will lead. Let him lead you. Do not respond to a message like this and, well, I'm just going to start doing everything I know, I know I need to be doing. No, we need to let God lead us in those things that he's wanting us to do so that we make sure that our heart is right. Otherwise, we'll just be a bunch of bitter, angry sinners. You've met some of those people, right? You've met some of those people at churches. Don't you lie to me. I know you've been to other churches. We don't have any of them around here, by the way. You know, any of them, oh, angry Angry, bitter Christians, you know, are like, I don't want to be like that, you know. Listen, some of you are there. And I know you don't want to be. It's just easy. We just kind of end up there one day and we're like, what happened? And it's like, and, and so like, that's the point of the message today is that we would go back and connect the dots and go, oh, well, I see now when that thing happened, I kind of got angry at people, and I just kind of quit trusting God to trust people enough to be involved as a part of a body or whatever it was. And I've been putting stipulations on my faith and going into early spiritual retirement. You know, Chris, I'm not really spiritually retired. Okay, what do you want to call it? If you've got a better name for it, let me know. For right now, I'm saying it is full of AARP. Verse 25. Verse 25. It's a joke. People got AARP. Don't take it personal. It's way too, way too easy when you're looking at him and you're like, oh, he's talking about us. Verse 25. It says, it says, for every athlete exercises self-control in all things. Now, now here, let's just be real honest. Like the pride in us of people who have made it to something in life at this point in life have got ourselves into believing that we don't really have to have self-control. We ought to just be able to just kind of loosey-goosey whatever we want to do at this point in life. I mean, that's, that's, kind of a, that's kind of an American thought. That if we're not careful, we adopt it. And we apply it even to our faith. And we begin to believe that we know better than God does, and we know that that's not true. Since every athlete exercises self-control in all things, you're like, my kids are the ones that need to have self-control, not me. No, we all need self-control. And it says, says this, they do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. An imperishable. That's eternal. That's talking about we're looking for prizes that we're not going to get right now out of the claw machine. He says, so I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. You remember Rocky 1? I've got to bring up Rocky, right? We're talking about boxing. And I love boxing, by the way, if you didn't know. Rocky 1... You don't see Rocky doing a whole lot of beating the air. Now, he does some of that while he's running. But if he's in the gym, he's usually hitting a bag, hitting a person. This is what boxers do, okay? They hit people. No, it's violent, whatever. I still love it. And, and so then you take on top of that, you, the, the, the scene that's the most memorable of Rocky hitting something is what? It's in the freezer, he goes, he, goes, he goes, down, goes down to where they're 
they're, you know, killing animals and, you know, getting them ready for food. And they've got the big, huge slabs of dead cows just hanging on these hooks. And he goes in there, and he's just, he's just hammering these things. I mean, he's just beating on them. Just, and, you know, remember, uh, what's, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, who worked in there, Ben? What, God, uh, Polly. Polly. And Polly's like, ah, you're breaking the ribs, you know, and all this kind of stuff. He's ruining, you know, ruining. And I'm afraid that so many of us as believers that we're, we're just kind of aimlessly just like, oh, we'll try to get to church today. We'll try to, you know, we'll try to, you know, I'm thinking about one of those micro churches or a micro group kind of thing. I'm thinking about all that stuff. But we're just aimlessly not hitting any targets, which is destined for failure. And continues our spiritual retirements. says, I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. He says, but I discipline my body and, and keep it under control lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Discipline is something we don't often like, but we know we got to do it. That's the reason I gave you a card today. I, you know, it's just a small way to maybe help strike them, spark to hopefully get you to come out of retirement. Just hoping, hoping that God might be speaking to your heart about somebody, something specific that he's leading. You see a need, and instead of going, hey, there's that need over there. Somebody should do it. You start going, hey, there's that need over there. Maybe, maybe I should do it. Maybe God wants me to minister to my neighbor next door. Maybe he wants me to help love on these babies so that their parents can hear the gospel. I don't know. It's between you and him. But I know this, that God's calling us as individuals and as a church that we should run till the end. That we would fight till the end. 2 Timothy 4, 7 says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That's what we shoot for. If we want a, like an end of life, like we hope that we can get to something, that's what we want. Hebrews 12, 1 says, this says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There's two things right there in that verse that I think are worth pointing out. We're seeing the race again, right? Run the race, but there's a but. It says, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Then we can run with endurance the race that is set before us. And, and there it is. There it is. And I, I don't know what that might be for you. I don't have any idea. But if you can honestly say today, Chris, I am, I've been spiritually retired for a little while, and, and I'm struggling with it, and I don't know what, I don't know what's keeping me from doing it, I'm going to guess you've got a weight and or sin that is keeping you from pursuing Jesus. And that weight, that weight may look like any dozen different things. I had a moment in my life, and I don't have time to tell the whole story, so I might have to figure out a different way to tell it at a different time. But I had a moment in my life that included a friend of mine asking me to do something to help him in life. I had to turn him down. I felt like God was calling me to stay here. And then, lo and behold, he came up with cancer. For the next couple few years, I watched my friend die and felt like, I was a terrible person because I didn't go and help him do that. He had made a big ask. It was a huge deal. And, and, and I, I let it haunt me. And it became a weight. And then he died on top of that. And the weight of that just, I mean, it broke me for a period of my life. I mean, any of the guys around here could tell you. I was worthless as a pastor. I was worthless as a, probably a friend and many other things. But I'm here to tell you today 
that we can move past those things. In fact, I, I want to read to us so that we know how to. Looking to Jesus, verse 2, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. That's how we do it. And then there are two words that start verse 3, and it says this, consider him. Consider him. How do we, how do we keep moving on? How do we, how do we keep going after a death, after some tragic moment in life, after some tragic moment that we're in the middle of, how do we keep going? Consider him. How, how, do, we, how do we overcome what happened at that last church? Consider him. How do, we, how do we move on from being bankrupt? How do we move on from not even have money right now? Consider him. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Jesus shed his blood. That in him, we have our peace and we have our hope. And it can't be in the things of this world. Because it's transient. And all it's going to provide is tribulation. And, and he's over here going, I got some peace for you. How's that sound? You like some peace? Because my name's Jesus, and I created it all, and I own it all, and if you want it, it's yours. All you got to do is trust in me. And then instead, we're like, oh, I think I'm going to go over here and like trust in this thing. Seems like a good idea, right? Let me encourage you. It's real easy to walk away from hearing something like this and go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to pull up my bootstraps. I'm going to get going. I'm going to... Uh, let, me, let me encourage you again. I want to be real clear with it. Pursue Jesus. Pursue Jesus. Let him lead you. Don't believe for a second you can do this on your own. Pursue Jesus. Let him help you take away that weight. Whatever it is. Maybe it's fear. Maybe some of these other things we've talked about. Let him help you take away that sin. You can't do it alone. You can't do it by yourself. We need him. And the truth is, is that we're much better off if we do it with others. Which is why I included that one little part of, you know, who you're going to tell. Who you're going to tell. Don't set yourself up for failure. Set yourself up to pursue Jesus. Set yourself up to live on the mission in which he has called you to for this life. That you would fight to the end and that you would shun spiritual retirement. Let's pray together. God, we need you to help us and we know it. We need your help with the weight. We need your help with the sin. In our lives, God, I pray, Lord, that you would show us those things right now that are keeping, that we're allowing to keep us from pursuing you. God, help us with those things. Help bring the light what they are and help us to be faithful in following you to shed them, to get rid of them. God, we, we trust in you that you can do that and we trust in you for your peace. God, thank you for what you've done through your son, Jesus. In the next few moments, God, I pray that you would be glorified in this place. We ask this in your name. Amen.